Snow's Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. We have so many stories this week, and we cut a couple of them, but we just couldn't cut any more, and they're so awesome. So we're going to get started with this episode. Do you want to get into the story of the week, Ray? Yeah, this is going to be a long one, so buckle up. <laughs> we're going to try to shorten some of them as much as possible, but you might be here yeah, for a while. Typically, we cut a bunch of stories, but this week was really hard because they were all good, so... This first one is about the Innocence Project is now taking on the Scott Peterson case. So I'm going to kind of give some background for anybody not familiar. So this woman, Lacey Peterson, when she was eight months pregnant, went missing on Christmas Eve. The night before her disappearance, she had spoken to the phone on her mother. Everything seemed totally fine. So the next morning of Christmas Eve, a neighbor found their dog roaming the neighborhood with a leash hanging from it and put it back in the yard. Her husband claims that during this time he was going fishing. So after a couple of hours, the parents are not feeling good about this and they call 911, not the husband, which I always think is red flag, right? It's just very yeah, of weird. Of course. There's a, there's a million red flags in this case. Yeah. So she's totally, at this point, totally missing. A month goes by and this woman named Amber Fry comes forward and goes, you know that guy that's been on the news, his pregnant wife's missing? Well, I've been dating him since November, and he told me he was a widow. So huge, huge, huge red flag, obviously. Who tells a girlfriend that their wife is dead and then they just end up going missing? It's definitely super suspicious. A couple months go by, and in April, her body was found in the San Francisco Bay and the baby in the baby's body, too. And they were found separately, actually. So Right after that, he gets arrested, and it all just spirals downhill from there. So do you want to tell everybody about what happens next? Yeah, so they found his body. They found the, the wife's body and her unborn fetus's body in the water where he commonly went fishing. And the weirdest case is that Maria keeps saying that this is there's so many red flags, but in this case, it's kind of that's all there is, is just a lot of red flags and circumstantial evidence and not really anything concrete like DNA or blood spat or anything like that that would that would link him to this crime. But obviously, I was I think I was in my young 20. What year did this happen? 2004? 2002. Or, so you had I was to like be... 20. 23 yeah, I was like 22 or 23 when it happened, and it just upset me so bad. Obviously, the case got a lot of attention because she was beautiful and he's a handsome guy, and they appeared to have this happy marriage, live in a nice suburban house and everything. And and here, the mom even was completely on his side until she found out that that he was cheating on her. And then, of course, that, that makes the guy suspicious. And um, Crazy fun fact that the number one cause of death in pregnant women is homicide. So I'm not sure if you knew that, but no, it, it, it always it always goes to to the partner because because it's that common. But um, we're going to actually talk to a criminal defense attorney who whose episode is airing in the beginning of next week. Yeah, mon I think Monday or Tuesday it'll drop. Yeah, on Monday or Tuesday. And her name is Allison Treasel, and she is a correspondent on Access Hollywood. So you probably have already 
seen her on that show or have seen her on multiple. She's been on a million other news stations talking about different cases throughout the years. And so we really get into depth with this case because what happened was he got convicted. First, he got convicted of the murder and got the death penalty, actually. And then in 2020, they overturned the death penalty. And now they're talking about, oh, we're going to see if we could get him out because he's always maintained his innocence. I, I feel so horrible for her family. I just never remember her mom crying on the news. It just was so heartbreaking and thinking about losing your child ever, but especially in that way. And she has to keep getting re-victimized all the time. This is 20 years later. And it, you never get over the death of your child, obviously. But to to it might feel a little better to know that the person that did it is behind bars. And now the fact that they're trying to get him out is just, is just it's so upsetting for the mom anyway. So we'll keep you updated. But definitely listen to the episode next week because we're going to get into the charges and how it's possible that he might get out again. Yeah, so one piece of crucial circumstantial evidence I left out is when they arrested him, he had dyed his hair, he had survival gear, camping equipment, $15,000 in cash, and two driver's license and four cell phones. And he was, he was, thought he was I think fleeing. he was outside of San Diego. He's like right outside of the Mexican border too. Yeah, so I guess at the end of the day, he has been convicted, but they're saying that new evidence has come forward of a potential burglary and all this other stuff that she might have got wrapped up in so we're just gonna kind of see how this plays out it's really insane to me that they're I feel like personally it's maybe a waste of resources there's a lot of other people that are 100% innocent that are false in prison falsely imprisoned so I'm interested to see why they took on this case if it's enough evidence to get him off I understand circumstance he was convicted basically based on circumstantial evidence alone, but all signs yeah, are pointing to guilty I, I for think me. A lot of, I think a lot of it is that he was, just because you cheat on, if you cheat on your wife, you're you're an asshole or whatever, but that doesn't mean that you, that you brutally murdered your wife either. No, so, and I agree with that, but it's the fact that he told the mistress that the wife was dead, yeah, and that's what makes it yeah, guilty it was, in my, because what is wrong with him? It was quite a... You were younger, obviously, when this happened, but this was quite dramatic unfolding on the news, I must say. And then when Amber Fry, who was the mistress, came forward, it just was freaking nuts, man. It, it was almost like a made-for-TV movie or something. Yeah, and she got a lot of criticism because she didn't come forward for a month. And you have to remember, this is the early 2000s. The internet didn't really like it existed, but it wasn't as popular as it is now. There wasn't social she didn't media, watch for sure. No, and she didn't watch the news, and then somebody was like, Hey, isn't this the guy you brought to the work Christmas party? Oh, my God. And she was like, what the F? <laughs> so, yeah, I I feel for her because she kind of got wrapped up in this situation that she might have not even, like, she genuinely might have had zero idea no, she, that this guy I don't, was even I don't married. think that she had any idea, honestly. And it's not fair that she got wrapped up in all of this. All right, let's get into some celebrity news. All right, so... Last week, we reported on this actor's death, Alec Muser. His fiance had claimed that he had severe COVID, which we kind of questioned because it seemed really suspicious because he hadn't been in the hospital or anything. Um, it turns out that he died by suicide and she had ended up discovering his body and is the one that called 911. So it's kind of weird that a story came out and leaked that 
he might have had severe COVID. It, it didn't and... leak. She she told or not leak. She told you know I mean? people that she thought that that's remember last week. She said, oh, I, I think that he died from severe COVID. And I thought, well, like, if he was getting treated by a doctor, wouldn't they have told you, hey, he's got severe COVID and he's dying from this? I thought that was weird. And then you said that he was home and not in the hospital. And we thought that was weird. We stopped recording. And I text Maria literally two minutes later. And it says, oh, the fiance found him. He died by suicide. There, he was bent over the floor in the bathroom with a gun next to him. And I was just so confused as to because she knew the whole time maybe the only thing i could think is that maybe she was embarrassed that 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 he killed himself and yeah. um and that's why she said that and maybe thought it wouldn't get out even though the news just does this freedom of information act and gets the information that they want really easy from medical examiner's office but yeah we just wanted to give you a little update on that yeah, and sometimes that happens where we record and then I get the little check mark that says episode uploaded and 30 seconds later, more information comes out. So we were like, Ugh, we're not going to delay the episode like hours so we could go yeah, back and record exactly. this. So we, we definitely wanted to update you. But I want to talk about this next story, which is about Kate Middleton's quote unquote planned abdominal surgery. So what do you think that's about? All right. So this I have some theories. They, we know that especially when um, the queen died, they just put that on her death certificate that she died from natural causes. And that's just like not even a cause of death, even a little bit. Yeah. So we know that the royal family somehow has some kind of pull to just, you know, they, they're like the most powerful people living over there. And so they can give as vague details as possible. And. They just said that she's having a planned abdominal surgery. She may be in the hospital for two weeks and it's non-cancerous. So that just leaves a lot of things open, obviously. I personally think that because she's of childbearing age, it's possible that she has a condition known as rectus abdominis diastasis, which is when you have multiple pregnancies, sometimes your abdominal muscles stretch out so bad that they can become permanently stretched out and there could be a gap between the rectus abdominal muscles. And it could cause a, a hernia. It could cause pain. It could, And it just looks unsightly too, honestly. So I was thinking that that could be a planned abdominal surgery that she didn't have to have it done. But it's just better if your abdominal muscles are together because they do protect your organs and hold them inside. So it could be that. Um, even though we look at her and she looks super flat stomach and thin, she could be wearing a garment that holds that in. It could be it could be something as simple as as a, as a cosmetic surgery. So I don't know if you saw this, but in my additional research, they had a quote source that was a man that said he had the same procedure as her and was only on the table for two hours at the same clinic. So I don't know if that narrows anything down. Well. Or what that what could we, possibly What we mean. have to say is if it's planned, it means that means it wasn't an emergency. Like her appendix didn't rupture and they had to cut her open right away and take it out. It's just abdominal is just so vague. It could be anything on the outside of her body or the inside of her body. And even so, it could be something like she's getting her tubes tied. She's a tubal ligation. She's um, and that this is pelvic organs, but the, they could say whatever the hell they want. Right. She could be having. Uh, Lyomyomas removed from her fibroids, removed from her uterus. She could be having ablation. 
She could be having so many different things and they just generalize or like she doesn't have cancer. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) She could have something like Crohn's disease or, or ulcerative colitis. There's just there's just you could go on and on gallstones because every time you get gallstone surgery isn't an emergency either. That could be planned. So it goes on and on and on as, as to what she could potentially have. So I'm going as low as cosmetic surgery, as high as like a complete bowel resection. <laughs> yeah. So we won't see her until around Easter, which is the end of March this year, I think. But they're never going to say they're so they're so secretive about stuff. So it, it's we probably of, it's will none never know. It's of our business. Know. But like I said, she could she could have a chronic disease like like Crohn's disease or something that we don't even know about, and and she gets treatment for it and. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's really none of our business, but I, I just want to know because I'm nosy. <laughs> okay. Alec Baldwin has been indicted again for the rest, the rust shooting. So background on this. In 2021, there was an accidental, quote unquote, shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. So Alec Baldwin was practicing for a scene, messing around with a gun. He believed, he's saying he believed it to be an inactive, what the industry calls a cold gun meaning no live bullets in it. So he's playing around with it and it accidentally fires, shoots her, she dies. At first, him and the film's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, were charged with manslaughter. So his original charges were dropped because they said the gun had been modified by the armorer. They found that there was a, not, a lot of negligence on her part and maybe she did everything wrong and so his charges had been dropped. But now they're saying new evidence has come to light that the gun was working perfectly correct. He knew what was going on and he is now partially responsible for this. So, again, we're, we talked to Allison Treasel about this because she knows the most about these charges. But one interesting thing she did say during our interview that I didn't know was, you know how there's a thing called double jeopardy that you can't be charged or you can't be convicted twice of the same crime? Or tried, tried twice, twice for yeah. the same crime. She did say that with with the way that this happened, that they put charges, they indicted him and put charges forth that dropped, that that, that rule doesn't apply. So you can be indicted as many times as you need to on that particular crime. Well, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. So that, I mean, I thought, I thought that that was interesting because I didn't really realize that. So even if these charges get dropped, it seems like they could come back again and haunt him forever, which honestly I don't mind because he's such a douchebag. But um, yeah, so that's all we're going to say about that. So tune in, like I said earlier, tune into the episode next week to hear from the criminal defense attorney because yeah. it's, it's really good. And in New Mexico where this occurred, and so now he's been charged with involuntary manslaughter. So in New Mexico, where this occurred, he could face up to 18 months in prison if convicted. Yeah, that's not happening. We know that. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely yeah. know. I'm actually surprised they even pushed this further and charged him again. Well, this is such well, they need, a mess. They need to do something about it because it's a woman is dead. A mother and a wife is dead. And, and, yeah. and he's going on crying about how hard his life is. I get so mad when I hear his wife talk. She just is always just like, you don't know how hard this has been for us. And it's like, bitch, this woman's dead. This kid. It's like this woman's dead and you're a fraud. You've been <laughs> pretending to be from Spain She's for such a years. Fraud. What is wrong such with you? Okay, let's talk about Ashley Park. Do you know Ashley Park? She um, She's in the new Mean Girls movie. I don't know if you've taken the girls to see it yet. I am familiar with her for 
being in Only Murders in the Building, which is kind of this cute show about um, Selena Gomez, uh, Steve Martin, and Martin Short doing a true crime podcast. So it's kind of what we're doing <laughs> right now. But <laughs> she's, and everybody says Selena Gomez is my doppelganger. It, so it's truth. I, irony. But um, she, she, just posted that she had tonsillitis that spiraled into critical septic shock. So explain how that goes down for everybody because I don't know at all. right. So from what I read, it seems like she was on vacation in, I don't know, is she American? I'm, she said I was on holiday, so I don't know if she's English. But she, she was, she seemed like she was going to multiple hospitals in other countries, which she was saying. So it was other countries from where she's from as well. So it seems like she was on vacation for our terms, right? In in not in her country. And she had tonsillitis, which strep throat, something like that, right? Everybody, pretty much everybody in the world has it at some point in their life. And I'm thinking that she's young, she's 32 years old and she's on vacation and she's just like, oh, fuck, my throat hurts and I'm and blowing it off and blowing it off because that's what I would do. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, you're you're in another country. You don't really know how it works with paying and going and their treatment and everything. So you just kind of blow it off. Well, what happened was she didn't get this this tonsillitis treated and it formed an abscess, which then that's a collection of pus behind the tonsil. And then that ends up getting into the blood and then it could spread around the body and cause a condition called sepsis, which is when the bacteria gets to the organs. But she went even a step further and was diagnosed with septic shock, which means that she she wasn't going to be in this world too much longer if she didn't get serious treatment. And she seems like she's out of the woods right now. But septic shock is basically when your blood pressure drops really low and your organs start to fail because it's just covered in bacteria in your body. And Luckily, she was able to get she it it seemed like she had to go to multiple different places. So I don't know if maybe she was on vacation and she did try to get her her tonsillitis treated and they just didn't treat it right or whatever happened. She she was thanking her husband, fiance, friend, boyfriend. I I believe she's dating a guy that she was on Emily and Paris. So yeah, she was thanking him for taking her to multiple different emergency rooms and hospitals in other countries. So she's luckily she seems like she's she's on the way out and she's doing well, but that really, really scary to to be in such a horrible condition from something so so simple as as tonsillitis. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to Kim Kardashian's tanning bed. So Kim did a video giving a tour of her office. She was mimicking this popular TikTok trend right now. So in it showed various weird items, including a 3D model of her brain, a 3D model of her plane, a mannequin with her exact measurements. The mannequin with the exact measurements was ridiculous for me because bodies fluctuate so much. Yeah, and it's, but I don't it just see. I don't so think that's as ridiculous because I think she gets a lot of clothes and stuff. I think the 3D model of your brain is like get the fuck over yourself. You think you're so smart that that you have to put your brain on display. Like, how do her employees feel walking in every day and looking at that? Like, it's it's so douchey. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's like very unapologetically out of touch with certain <laughs> things, but. The biggest problem that people are attacking her for is she said, I'm Kim Kardashian. Of course, I have a tanning bed in my office. And people are like, 
are you joking with all this information that's come out about tanning beds? So she got all this backlash for the tanning bed and then came back and said, well, she does have known psoriasis that does flare up pretty badly. And she said she uses it to treat the psoriasis, which you're calling bullshit on. I'm calling bullshit because (laughs) so I have a condition of my skin I've talked about on Instagram called polymorphic light eruption. So when I'm exposed to UV light in the summer, especially it starts happening like around May and when it starts really getting warm out and I'm outside in the sun more often, I get this really horrible rash all over my body and it makes my skin itch terribly and I just can't even make it go away. I have to put this really thick ointment, steroid ointment on my skin and it's just, it's terrible and it's months long. So my dermatologist recommended that I get light therapy in order to prevent that from happening. And what you do is you go to the dermatology office and you essentially go into a tanning bed-like thing for a couple minutes every single week just to have your skin like always exposed to it. Because especially where I live in the Philadelphia area, we like I haven't even I, I go outside to my car and inside for the past couple of months. I'm not outside ever because the, the, it's not the sun hasn't even been out in days here, you know, maybe even weeks. So there's periods of time where I don't have sun exposure all the time and I have to get this light therapy, which is similar to a light therapy you would get if you had psoriasis. And that is, it's not a tanning salon bed. Like if you go to Hollywood Tans and get a tan, that's UVA light. The one at the dermatology office is UVB light. And that's the one that's recommended for skin conditions that get light therapy treatment. So she's full of shit that that doesn't do anything. And in fact, what makes it even worse is that her sister just went on this big thing that she was diagnosed with melanoma and had a chunk of her face cut out because she had to have a wide excision of a mask that she had on her face. And it is known that if you have tanning exposure in a tanning bed, even one time, it could increase your risk, especially when you're younger, under 35 years old, it could increase your risk for melanoma up to 75%. Like think about how significant that is. So her, not only her, but her sister with the reach they have, because I guarantee that her sister got melanoma at a young age because she was doing dumb shit like that. They should be really talking about this to their followers instead of saying, I use a tanning bed. If you want to have skin like me, use a tanning bed. Well, I think this was all very planned. Planned for what? That that you look like she's having she's having slow news weeks lately. Their their show sucks. It's not getting good ratings, and she's not being in the news a lot beyond her business achievements, meaning like Skims collection, dropping her makeup collection. So she needs to do something pre-planned like this to get press. Yeah, a but, lot of people but, do this. But but why? Like you're just being an idiot. And who's gonna who's gonna want to follow that? Like. It not only with all the because body stuff, that- but now it's like th- this too. It's just, it's kind of irresponsible. And I'm not one of these people that are like, oh, you sh- you have a platform and you should do this or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, if you have young girls looking up to you, the last thing that you should be telling them is that you have a tanning bed in your office. It's just, it's, it's just re- irresponsible to me. Yeah, I mean, they definitely should be talking about it because they have a personal connection. I'm just saying, like, 
I think she did. I think she strategically was like, I'm going to show this tanning bed. I'm going to get bad press. And then I'll just be like, I have psoriasis. But people <laughs> and people believe that, though, like well, you are a medical professional, so you could call bullshit on it. But most people are just like, oh, OK, I understand. Yeah, now. no. All right. Let's but not hear for any more press, please. Let's talk about freak accidents. Okay, so two Chiefs games ago, the temperatures were record low, negative four degrees at kickoff. It ended up being a negative 30 degree wind chill, so freezing. They don't have a dome, by the way, which is the enclosed football field that's open. So I can't even imagine how freezing that must have been. So the Kansas City Fire Department received 69 calls related to hypothermia. Uh, Half of them were related to hypothermia. Officials ended up taking 15 people to the hospital, including seven for hypothermia and three for frostbite. It was so cold that the quarterback's helmet even cracked. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, I did see that. But that is outrageous. So obviously they're getting backlash because the NFL will postpone games. Sometimes most recently they had postponed a Bills game in Buffalo because there was a really bad snowstorm and the travel conditions were not safe. But they should know that this cold cannot be good for the fans and they're going to come. It's playoff time. So you're kind of, I don't know, I guess as as a fan, you have a responsibility to just be like, it's not a good idea to go, but I feel like the NFL also shouldn't be encouraging people to come when they definitely know the temperatures are going to be so extreme. I don't think, I don't think that many people really know what that kind of cold is. They just think it's going to feel colder than it normally feels. I don't think they really think that their lives could be in danger from being in that kind of a cold. But so this this is what happens with frostbite. A lot of people don't even realize that they have it because you always you can't feel it. You lose sometimes you lose feelings and it happens most commonly in the tip of your nose, the tip of your fingertips, the tips of your toes. And The reason that happens is because our body has to have homeostasis. Do you know what that means? No. (laughs) So it means that we have to maintain a certain temperature, 98 point whatever, six degrees it is, to for our bodies to function how they should function all the time properly, our organs, everything. Our bodies are very happy being that temperature. And when we get really cold, what happens is vasoconstriction happens on all the distal parts of our body. So our legs, hands, tip of nose, it squeezes all of the blood vessels shut to keep all of the blood around the heart and in your torso to keep your organs nice and warm. So technically, all that's like all you need to live is your head and your torso. You don't need your arms and legs, right? So it's your body's way of being like, you're starting to die and we're going to shut off your arms and legs right now to keep this blood warm. It's it's not good. <laughs> and you yeah. can get, so with frostbite, you get changes in the skin and people don't see it right away, especially if you have darker skin. You're not going to notice that your skin's like a little weird purpley color. And sometimes by the time you go to the hospital, luckily they can catch it in time. But if it goes through the deeper layers of the skin, it could cause death to the skin and it causes like necrosis or gangrene to the skin tip of nose tips of toes and um that's what happened here i don't know how if they had severe frostbite or anything like that but when when our body temperature gets below 95 degrees it's it's bad and it's it's the same as when you take your temperature to get a fever if it's too hot 
You can't be too hot. That's hyperthermia. And you can't be too cold. I just couldn't help but see the irony of a few weeks ago, we covered that Taylor Swift had a fan die at her concert for overheating, right? For hyperthermia, yes. For hyperthermia. And then she's at this game weeks later to see her boyfriend play where people are getting hypothermia, but she's all cozy in a suite. So I guess if you're totally unaffected by it, you're just not even realizing what's going on. I just, I couldn't help but think about that. And, you know, I'm supposed to go to this to this stadium series of Flyers versus the Devils, and it's outside at a football stadium. And let me tell you, I already told my husband when he was <laughs> buying the tickets, if it's under a certain temperature, I am absolutely not going because I do not want to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's not really worth it. And I think yeah. there's another story too this week of like these three fans that were maybe at that actual game that were found dead outside of their house, like frozen outside of somebody's house. But there's some like shadiness with the whole story. So what we might talk about that next week if that if that ends up being anything interesting. But related to so we had a big snowstorm last week. We actually had two snowstorms, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. Big for us where we live in Philadelphia. So you guys up in like Chicago think that we're like giant pussies because it wouldn't it snow like uh I don't know six inches at most here right and it's like the whole world shut down the kids schools shut down that their their extracurricular activities like let me tell let me let me defend us philadelphians for a second my uncle david lives in chicago and i texted him two weeks ago because i found out it snowed so much like a couple feet right and i said how are you making out and he said barely even know what happened all the streets are plowed you wouldn't even know beyond it being on your lawn right when it snows, what, six inches here on Friday, it, they don't even come with salt. They don't come with the plows. I probably couldn't leave my house unless my husband did it, do some of the street and my neighbor didn't take his mini plow and do some of the street. You couldn't even leave the neighborhood because they just well, don't even do anything. They, they did I in my in neighborhood. Cities, so you live in a shitty town, I guess, because mine was plowed <laughs> every every couple hours and it was, it was really nice. They hit the main roads, but they don't come back. So I think... I think in certain situ in certain cities where snow's more prominent and they're used to it, they're on top of it, and it's like it doesn't even happen. But here, people just freak out and they don't know what to do. So this guy, so we have a, the next couple of things that we have have to do with like this horrible weather we had last week because it seems like I mean even uh, my neighbors just went to Florida for a wedding and it was like forty degrees in Florida. So I feel like it was kind of almost countrywide or at least half of the country, and. So this guy went on his roof to clear off the snow off of his skylight and he fell through the skylight 20 feet and landed on a concrete floor and died. Yeah, I mean, this is pure definition of freak accident. It really sucks because he was just trying to get ahead of it and then ended up falling through. And uh, thank goodness somebody saw him fall through and called police. Not that they could do anything at that time, but what if he was just laying in there rotting away if nobody came in the house? Well, maybe if it was that cold out, it's I don't horrible. know how, how fast he would rot away. But um, a, a, another tragic story that happened outside of Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania on uh, Highway 81, there was a family, they were, they were coming back to New York from Washington airport uh, in Washington DC and airport. And it was a, it was two cars. So it was a minivan that had how many people were in it? Four, four, four women. women in a minivan. 
And then there was a car following them that had a woman and a man, right? Two other, yeah, two other. But they're they're all family members. members. And the the weather, like we said, it was just like it was very icy. It it, because it was cold and it was freezing. And the minivan with the four women with the four women in it were driving up the highway, and they accidentally like lost control of the car and and crashed into the median on the left hand side of the road. And that obviously, when you're driving from Washington towards uh New York that's you don't want to do that because it's not it's not the right left hand lane to you know there's no shoulder there so if you were to like pop a tire or anything you would never pull over on the left side because there's no shoulder so they they got out cuz their car wouldn't move or anything and they all got out of the car well two of them got out of the car right or three no so yeah, people in the minivan were there. The two people in the sedan following the minivan pulled over to the right side of the road, got out, and crossed all the traffic lanes to go help them. So then this tractor trailer comes by, doesn't see them, smacks into the minivan, and hits people. And five of them ended up dying. One of them survived, with, but with serious injuries. So Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, though. But, like... To the tractor trailer's defense, when you're driving 70 miles an hour, I mean, he probably wasn't going that fast if it was snowing and everything. But when you're driving even 40 miles an hour, you're not expecting to see a car dead stop in one of the lanes with people standing in it. Like that just was a horrible. They immediately should have put on their hazard lights, at least, and stayed in the car. Not to say that if the guy slammed into the truck, into the minivan, that they wouldn't have been killed because the two people that were in the minivan got killed. They were in it. Um, but maybe they weren't in a seatbelt anymore. I don't know. The best thing to do if the car doesn't start is to just put the hazard lights on and absolutely do not get out of the car. Yeah, I mean, you certainly should not be crossing lanes of traffic. And we don't know what happened with this guy. He could have looked down for a second. That. The vi- his vision might have been impaired from the snow. You just don't know. Or he saw them and just couldn't yeah, stop Yeah, I'm just in time thinking, and- like, if she, if she, if the woman crashed into the wall because it was slippery and she lost control, then, like, the same thing's going to happen to every other car that's around there. Yeah, and we don't know if she was perfectly lined up on the side of the road or if she was sticking out into a lane or whatever happened, but... It's really horrible that five people from the same family are now dead because well, of this. Well, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Like, that that's, the, that's the road that we take to go to the mountains. And it's like the, the there's no if, if you're in the left hand lane, there's there's a couple inches on the side and then there's the cement barrier. So the, the car was in the left lane, like, yeah, in a in a driving lane. So. No, I know. I'm just saying, was, like, even if he switched lanes, yeah. the van might have still been sticking into an yeah. additional lane. It, so you just don't know what the scene is. And if the weather was bad, it just could seriously happen to anybody. But I think the most important thing is that definitely don't get out of the car. Call authorities immediately. Hazard just lights the are the biggest thing, do. like hazard, hazard lights. And I, I mean, just it's just so sad to hear just think about so many people in one family dying at the same time, like how that would be for other family members to mourn. It's just ter- is terrible. Well, so the next story is kind of a similar situation where a falling branch had brought a power line down on this SUV in Portland. There was a man, a pregnant woman, a teenage boy, and a baby in the car. So the man grabs the child, slips on the concrete outside, touches the power line, and is electrocuted. 
The pregnant woman then trying to get the baby also slips and gets electrocuted. The teenage boy also gets electrocuted. This whole time, this woman is watching this she's go down through the blinds. She's not even a woman. She's a teenager. She was, she's like yeah, a 16-year-old kid. This is awesome. A teenager's watching this through the, her blinds, and it must have happened within seconds. Like, you couldn't even react to go out and help. So she notices the baby is laying on top of the man, but is moving so she calls the cops but then it's just like i don't want this baby to get hurt and heroically goes out there very carefully approaches the scene and is able to rescue the baby and save its life yeah the first responders that went to that case they can't even believe that she didn't get killed and the baby didn't get killed it's it's a miracle they they just can't believe that they didn't get electrocuted but she i mean think of how badass this chick is she's 16 years old and she she sees something like this and just doesn't even care about her own life because she wants to just go help this baby and just does that after she just saw three people get killed. I mean, it's just it's yeah, ju- it's just really great. I hope I hope she does something good with her life. Like, I feel like she's just a really good person. And I, who knows what's going to happen to the baby now because the parents are are dead. The The, the wife was pregnant, too, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just so terrible and it's scary. I don't I don't really know. We should have actually asked Gabe this like, well, if that happens, like what you're probably supposed to just stay in the car because of the I don't know if the circuit can be complete with the rubber on the tires and stuff. I'm not really sure. But definitely you don't want to step in like anything that's wet snow because it, it was no. snowy and icy there, too, as well. So. Tragic story, but I I love when there's there's people that are doing the right thing, and it turns out well for at least some people in the story. Yeah. So this next story is kind of wild. It's a 26 year old woman picked up a shift at her job, which was at a car wash. She wasn't scheduled to work that day, and there's kind of it's kind of not really clear exactly what went down, but they believe she was cleaning and got tangled in some of the equipment at the car wash which caused her to get stuck and killed her. Yeah, so they said that she had, they said that they got the call that a woman had a traumatic brain injury. So I think that something, you know, at the car wash, especially there's like all of those things that spin. I'm thinking either like her hair or or like if she was wearing a vest or something, like a piece of clothing, a scarf or something got caught. I was thinking more her hair just because it was a head injury. Like usually if it was your body, it would be like a like a squeezing injury, you know, like a, a traumatic asphyxiation or something. But um, I, they don't really they don't really go into specifics. But this is just an important thing to say. Like, obviously, if you're working around any kind of machinery that you always should have your hair tied back because. There's there's a video, I think I posted it in the gross room, actually, of a woman that was working at McDonald's and, like, making one of those McFlurry things, and her hair got caught in it, and it, like, pulled the machine off of the countertop, like, to her head. You just don't oh realize God. how powerful those spinning things are, and um, it's just really important. Like, if you go on a roller coaster or anything like that, that's another case I have in the gross room, a, a girl on a on a an amusement ride and her hair got caught in the amusement ride and it like ripped her entire scalp off. 
Well, the company said their thoughts and prayers are with the family. <laughs> so thanks. Just just don't talk. It's it's just better. Your your thoughts and prayers aren't really bringing back this. You don't know though. Like, life. what are you gonna say if if you don't say anything? You're an asshole. If you say something, you're an asshole. Or whatever. Like, what are you gonna do? Well, they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the this next story is about a Bahamas shark attack experience. So. This experience in the Bahamas has now closed after a 10-year-old is bitten by a shark. So my question for you is that Lillian is also 10 years old and really into sharks. So would you ever let her do something I, like this? I would have. Yeah. Like, this is at Atlantis, dude. This is like a, I think this is like a good resort, right? Isn't this like that one that has that crazy slide? Okay. okay. A shark's a shark. Like, it doesn't matter if it's at... Don't at Atlantis is, or at a Bobo motel. But isn't like, that what all the snorkeling things are? You're supposed to see sea life snorkeling with the sharks. I see it all over the place. I just was in Key West. They had it everywhere. Yeah, but I, I, I always don't and think I always thought it. You're supposed to be in shark. I always thought waters. about that too. I'm like, how do they? How do they prevent the the sharks? I I just assumed that they had some kind of closed off tank that they only let like little dudes in that like couldn't really do any damage. You know. I, I have no idea what happened. They didn't say what kind of shark it was, but the kid the kid got bit pretty bad that he was listed in serious condition. And one of the resort guests said that they saw the child's mother running and screaming and the dad was holding him and he was bleeding and it had his leg cut or tied off with a towel that was tying it off like a tourniquet. I mean, that's... Well, they said this is the first guest-related incident they've ever had since this thing launched in 2006, which I just find really difficult to believe because you're dealing with some like fish, you know, like a wild animal type of thing. If you had a bear experience at the Great Wolf Lodge, like you're, they're still bears. It doesn't matter if it's a renowned resort. Yeah, but if they were like animals. cute little cuddly bears, you wouldn't expect one of them to kill you. But they're still bears, and you don't know what they're thinking because they're animals and they don't talk or communicate like humans. Also, they're kept in some form of captivity, which could make the, their natural instincts go wild. Horrible idea. This company said they're also deeply saddened by the by the injury. <laughs> they're going to be sad when they write out that check. Our sponsor for this week's episode is Stink Bomb. We have a couple really good stories coming up where first responders and police officers are going to need some Stink Bomb. And actually, you know what? I think everybody needs it because we have a case coming up about an airplane where everybody on the plane needed some stink bomb. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would have been the most handy tool. You guys will totally understand when this story comes up. But nothing would be better than nothing's worse than having an absolutely rude person just fart in your presence. So it would be really nice to just be able to have a little magic stick in your purse or your pocket and whip it out. And then you're like, I'm covered. The rest of these people have to suffer. But I don't. Especially because bachelor party season's coming up, so this could be more common, but, you know, and with St. Patrick's Day and everything, but you could even have an Irish cream-flavored stink bomb to block out the disgusting odors of hungover people on Yeah, airplanes. so what it is, it's, it's, it's a little, it looks like a chapstick tube, and you put it on, and you put it right underneath of your nose, and it just, you, it makes you smell really good things instead of really horrible things. 
Yeah, my personal favorite is lavender. For Christmas, we were loving using evergreen. I liked pumpkin spice in the fall. There's really, really good flavors for every season. You could switch them out and always guarantee that you don't ever have to be in an uncomfortable situation. So you could use code MKD15 at stinkbombodorblocker.com for 15% off of your purchase. Thanks, Stinkbomb. All right, Ray, let's get into some violent crime. Okay, so this first story is about this woman that had stabbed her boyfriend 108 times, and she's claiming to have cannabis-induced psychosis. So she's saying that they went to go smoke a bong shortly after she started freaking out, stabbed him 108 times. The police get to the apartment, and when they try to disarm her from this knife, she then stabs herself in the neck with it, and they had to tase her and beat her with a baton, with a baton to get the knife out of yeah. her hand. So. Cannabis-induced psychosis is a thing. Everybody wants to act like weed is like the most innocent thing in the world, and it's not. Um, and it could it could cause you to have psychotic episodes, which it did in this case with this woman. Fine, okay. That, that we we all agree with that. That that is a possibility. However, I don't agree with the fact that she's not doing jail time because the judge has decided that she killed this guy because she had cannabis-induced psychosis. Yeah, so she's getting two years of probation, and I just, I, I just also don't agree with this ruling because then what does that do for everybody else that's on drugs that commits crimes? Right, they're just innocent because they weren't intending on committing the crime, but taking the drugs made them. Yeah, it's and and like you can go as far as like drinking and driving. I mean, I think if you have schizophrenia and you have a psychotic episode, and then you kill someone. That has to be treated on a different level because there's nothing that you can do about that, right? But think about this. Like, I don't need, like, this story makes me not even want to let my kids hang out with anybody and smoke weed because something could happen or, or, and they could just, like, oh, they could just kill your kid, stab your kid to death and, like, not get in any trouble because it was the weed's fault. Like, you choose to do marijuana, drink alcohol, and you, decide you when you make that decision to, to take that substance that's what you have to take all of the consequences that come with it like getting in a car and driving and killing yourself or someone like you take that choice yeah and i'm not saying like stone this person to death but they should be getting some type of manslaughter charge for recklessness and i think the bigger problem is just how is this so if somebody's on meth and commits a crime they're going to get jail, so why wouldn't it be kind of considered the same thing? You wouldn't do meth with the intention of necessarily doing something bad, but if you do it, it's because you did drugs. And it's the same thing with weed, and it's the same thing with alcohol. So I just, I how think is this is such f- a weird how, ruling. How is anybody okay with this? Anybody in the world? <laughs> I don't know. It's like being like, my husband was great, but he beat me when he was drunk. Okay, he still beat yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And, but, and, and it's, it's not okay. It's not because he had a... a, a real mental illness it's because he decided to drink alcohol like end of story yeah exactly i just i don't understand this at all this seems very bizarre to me you know what else i don't understand when a cop is dealing with a fleeing suspect that is on a motorcycle and decides the only way to get him to stop is to throw a cooler at him well, they said tensions were high, so of course your first inclination would be to take a cooler off of the ground and throw it at somebody during an undercover drug bust because they're resisting arrest. So 
Yeah, the, the NYPD was doing an undercover drug bust and they went to go arrest the guy. He gets on his motor. I don't even think he was on a motorcycle. It says a motor bike, it said motor yeah. bike. So he gets on this motor bike and starts like running away from the scene. And this cop just picks up a cooler, throws at him and knocks him off the bike. And it killed him. See, like so, I go back and forth with with cases that involve criminals getting hurt and stuff because there was one case. That happened a couple years ago that we were talking about in the gross room of a girl who was who robbed like ten thousand dollars worth of stuff from Ulta or something. And then the police dog attacked her and ripped part of her scalp off. And there's a part of you that says, well, if you weren't being a criminal and you weren't in that situation, like none of this would have happened. But then there's. But if you were stealing lipstick, why does your scalp well, got I, don't get say it was off. lipstick. Like it was ten thousand dollars worth of shit. It was like grand theft, not not. But but still, yes, you don't deserve to die. It's the same if you are getting on a drug charge. You don't deserve to get thrown off of a motorbike and, and, and killed however he hit his head or got ran over by a car or whatever happened, right? He was pronounced dead at the scene, so he died pretty violently, I would say. But th- So I go back and forth with like, well, the guy shouldn't have been in that situation anyway, right? But like at the same time... You're you're no he a, you're a cop or you're a person in general. Like what happens if you throw somebody at someone on a motorbike? Yeah, like he shouldn't have been in that position, but it's also total police misconduct to throw something well, at somebody and like he was, kill them. Yeah, it was because he was angry, because he was pissed that the guy got away, like and it was impulsive. Yeah, but like figure something <laughs> else out. There's other ways to catch people. It's not like, stick you a broomstick in their spokes. No, yeah, it's, like it's messed, it's, a million it's other messed up and it's not cool. And, and I'm glad that the family got justice for this because even... Well, not yet. He's been charged with manslaughter. He has to go through well, the process still. And he'll probably get some leeway because he's a police I think, officer. I so. think that... It, I don't know. I just... I think that they're bo- both of the guys were in the wrong, but the cop was more in the wrong. I don't want to say like yeah, do you I understand like I'm not I'm not trying to stick up for this guy. He shouldn't have been selling drugs or buying drugs or whatever he was doing with that, but like he also didn't deserve to die for that. Yeah, and when tension run it's not really comforting to hear as a pedestrian that when tensions <laughs> are high that somebody can't handle their temper yeah, and they well, throw Well, that a that's what it is. It's somebody. it's a temper control impulsivity issue that needs to be addressed because this dude can't be on the street like trying to take care of other people. Speaking of temper, this next story is about a guy that got in a stabbing over a snoring-related incident. So a 55-year-old man named Christopher Casey was arrested and charged with stabbing his 62-year-old neighbor, Robert Wallace, neighbor to death, all in defense of his snoring. So Casey and Wallace were in a longtime feud. They were neighbors. They had a wall that connected their properties, and they were constantly fighting over Christopher Casey's snoring. So it's reported that Robert Wallace showed up to Casey's house while he was eating dinner, removed a window screen from his property, which then ignited this whole argument. And then it ended up escalating to the point where Christopher Casey stabbed Robert Wallace to death. And it was all over an altercation that started over snoring. Well, can I be honest with you? Like, I almost stabbed Gabe last night because he snores so bad. Seriously, like it. When you're trying to sleep and someone is snoring next to you, it is it's brutal. My first thing I usually do is I shake the <laughs> I shake the bed and try to like push him out of it. And then I'll hit his back or something, but no, seriously, like 
obviously you don't stab someone over that. It's it's completely ridiculous, but you could see how like that could escalate someone. Well, not to out mama or anything, but she is the worst store we've ever She's experienced. Literally and- the worst. Did did, I, did she ever tell you about the time I like punched her in the back really bad when I was <laughs> I was sleeping? Yeah. I mean, and then when we've when we've gone to the cabin before, it's basically one bedroom has a bunch of bunk beds in it, so like four people have to sleep in one room, and nobody sleeps in the room with her. She basically gets her. Maybe own she room does because... it on purpose. Yeah, nobody could do it. That that time we went to New York when I was a teenager and I did that Teen Vogue experience like ten years ago. Remember, we were all staying in New York. Lillian was a baby; she was really young. You didn't even have Lucia yet. And she was snoring so bad, neither of us slept. I looked like a monster for all my lectures the next day. Oh, I, I will not brutal. sleep in the same room as her anymore, like ever again. We had the, the no. couple times that we like had to had to do it. I brought earplugs like it was that bad and it still was bad. She does it on I mean, purpose. She wants her how- own room and shit. It confirms that Pop Up's definitely going <laughs> deaf because he sleeps next to her every he night. Does, They've been married almost 50 he years. He does complain about so, it, though, to me anyway. Yeah, he does. But okay, this next story is actually really horrendous. So carjackings have been really on the rise lately, and it's been happening a lot with teenagers. It even recently happened to my husband's coworker. She was eating lunch in her car outside of their work, and a teenager came up to the the window with a gun and stole the car. That yeah, that's so scary. So. These two teenagers approached this sweet old woman, Linda, in her car to steal it. One of them pepper sprayed and dragged her partially out of the car, but she got tangled up in the seatbelt. So they get in the driver's seat, they start driving, and they drive 700 feet, which for perspective is the size of two football, the length of two football fields. The whole time dragging her body, her skin's ripping off. Finally, she hits a utility pole, her arm rips off. So they just leave the scene, and she is in complete shambles, deceit, like horrible. Yeah, and I mean, aside from all of the other trauma that she experienced with maybe severe abrasions or road rash, you would say, she, I mean, when you're, if your arm rips off, your axillary artery being severed like that, I mean, you'll just bleed out right away. It's just, it's just so terrible. And I was really upset reading this story, thinking about like your grandmom going through that like how awful is that yeah it's absolutely disgusting that they that she had to go through this i don't understand why these teenagers lately are just they're so violent it's it makes no sense to me there's just this like there's a disregard for life it's all it is total disregard for life it has to be related to social media because what what else would it be i think this i think they just want a car they don't think they don't think about that and I think if they did think about that being their own grandmother, then they would think that was horrible. But there's just some kind of like a disconnect there for some reason. And it doesn't even seem like they gave her time to like be like, OK, I'll get out. They just immediately went to attacking her. They were punching her, kicking her in the head. And so the driver of the car, one teenager, has been sentenced to life in prison and three others have also pled guilty for their involvement. So... It's really disgusting that not one, but four friends were like, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's yeah, do it and, together. And also, it's just sad because they're they're just getting ready to get to get some freedom and go out into the world and everything. And now they are going to be in prison for 20 years. So they're going to come out when they're 
what, 35 years old, 36 years old. And like, what kind of life are they going to have after that when they've just been, you know, when you turn like teenager to young 20s and you really get like, oh, you're allowed to legally buy cigarettes or alcohol at 21 and this and you start getting like freedoms. Sometimes if you're living with your parents, then you have those freedoms too. And then you're in jail for 20 years. You get out for the first time and start living your life for the first time when you're 36 years old. It's just, it's sad. It ruined everyone's life with that. And not for nothing, but there's ways to steal cars that don't involve harming people. So figure out and be smarter. Why are you injuring somebody? It's just, it's insane They want to steal the car when the person's in it because they don't have to, because the key's there. It's and it's on and they yeah, can but, take it away really fast. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't know. I was gonna say this has been going on for a while because he's now been convicted. But I was gonna say like there's there's way easier ways where you could still get a car. Like people put their keys in their car in the winter to warm it up and go back in the house. Like there's easier ways to steal cars. Right, well, why don't you teach a killing course on innocent this? old ladies? Teach a course on an easier way to steal a car then. I don't think I quite have the street knowledge for it. Well, apparently you've been thinking about it. You've been you've been scoping I, out your neighbors that are heating up their car in the morning. That's why you got to get the key fob that starts it cuz then they could try but it locks the car and they can't get anywhere. Okay. On to this man that was discovered with a severed hand in his pocket. <laughs> a private security guard was arrested in connection to a woman's death and when the cops arrested him her severed hand was found in a plastic bag neatly tucked inside of his jacket pocket. Like, what the fuck? So, <laughs> the woman was found dead on January 10th, and the, this guy had admitted he picked her up for sex. We don't know if she was a sex worker or not. The victim has not been formally identified. But he claims somebody else must have killed her because he dropped her off unharmed. His roommate, however, is saying that he caught him washing blood off of his body the day before, and another witness came forward to say that the guy had taken videos disposing her body and other videos of her and was just nonchalantly showing people. So it's not looking really great. He worked for this security company for five months, and they're saying he passed a background check with no red flags, but he was young, 26. So I feel like personally he was still young that even if he had these bad tendencies or was murderous or evil or whatever, you might not act on that where you get caught until maybe this age or even later in your life so background checks aren't the aren't the like the whole thing i mean and i guess the the friend that said that he would that he was transporting the body said that he was decap the woman was decapitated so he was dismembering her i don't know why he would keep her hand in his pocket so that's really disturbing and the the one friend that saw him washing blood off of his hands also said that he asked him to dig a 10-foot deep hole. I, I mean, imagine, like, your friend just going up to you and, like, washing their hands in the sink and there's blood on their hands and just being like, hey, bro, I need you to help me dig a 10-foot hole. I mean, clearly, clearly he's not okay. I mean, who carries a human limb <laughs> in their in their jacket? There's just a lot to be said about that alone, and he was just bragging about it almost to his friends, so it was only a matter of time before he got caught, and I just, I think we all need to realize that background checks aren't 
aren't the whole answer. There's things that could go on and people that do these actions sometimes are really good at hiding it and never getting caught for, or at least for a while. So the, so this next case is a, a horrible case. Again, we're in violent crime, so we're always going to be talking about horrible things, but this has a, a good ending and it's a very good tale of like, see something, say something. So that's why we wanted to share this one with you. There was a waitress who was working at the Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head restaurant in Florida. Never heard of it, but it sounds like somewhere I'd want to go, honestly. And there was an 11-year-old boy there late at night with his parents, and she was working her last shift as a waitress. And she thought it was weird that the parents were ordering all this food and didn't order any for the kid and said, oh, he ate earlier, whatever, which... I mean, this kind of could be a, a believable story, maybe. But there was something, like, in her spidey senses that just went up, and she was like, something is up with this this kid. And she noticed that he had a scratch on his face, and then she noticed he had a bruise on his face. And she wrote down on a note and said, what, what did she write on the note? Are you okay, or do you need help? She just wrote, do you need help? And he kept deny you know like classic i feel like a lot of children in abusive situations don't want to get more in trouble so he was shaking his head no and she angled it in a way that his parents wouldn't be able to see it but then she really she pushed the issue because she really didn't feel right about it and finally he nodded his head so she called the owner of the restaurant and said i'm just letting you know i'm calling police because i don't feel good about this and thank god she did because he was in a really horrific abusive situation There was a four-year-old also wrapped up with these parents, and they were getting beaten, starved. He was 20 pounds underweight, really horrible, and she ended up saving his life. And potentially, you know, they were saying that homicide comes out of these cases a lot of times, and she saved his life and the four-year-old's life. Uh, And the stories are horrible. They they found that he had broomstick and back scratcher bruises on his back, and once they were interviewing the kid, they said that they hung that the parents had hung the kid upside down by his ankles in a doorway. And I, I I just think it's so awesome that this woman just noticed like something was off with this situation. I don't think a lot of people would do that. I think there's often times that you see something that you're like oh, that isn't right, and then you would you would feel like terrible. Like, what would you do if she called the cops? And the cops showed up and there was nothing going on there. It would be like completely embarrassing and you would feel horrible that you even accused people of that. So something inside her told her that something was really wrong and, and she saved this kid's, maybe two kids' lives. Yeah, I guess it's just a gamble anytime you're going to try to report something like this. But it's better to you're on the side of caution because she saved somebody. So and it's really heroic of her. OK, let's get into the medical stories. Okay, so this is definitely a story you might consider buying Stink Bomb for because I know I would have wished I had it. This is outrageous. On an American airline on an American Airlines flight from Phoenix to Austin, an airplane was at the gate and there was this man on the plane that was disgruntled. They believed him to be hungover. And he starts getting in an altercation with somebody. So this person recounting the story says the man goes, you thought that was rude? How about this? And then he farts really <laughs> loud. and every- So chaos completely erupts and people are like, fuck you. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Somebody says, this is so low class. And he was like, we're an economy, sweethearts. Oh, so my just- God. So they just they just start fighting. And 
they start leaving the gate to like go to to launch to take to off, launch. right? To launch. My my words are just not coming to me easily today. Um, so they go to they leave the gate and the plane's rolling down the runway to take off, and people are like screaming at well, each other. Seriously, like it's there's no window to crack. That's and it's gr- like you don't want to smell yeah. a stranger's ass. Like you just don't. It's terrible, and you don't even want to breathe the air. Every time somebody challenged him, he just right. farts, farts out. So it just it just this total chaotic scene just erupts with people screaming at him, him screaming back. He just keeps farting. It smells horrible. People are like gagging, and so <laughs> so the flight attendants finally had to get involved, and they had to turn the plane around, bring it back to the gate, and told him he had to get and off. He was like, "Why? What? Wait, what?" Yeah, he was like, "I don't understand." So. They said they all breathed a sigh of relief when he walked off the plane. It only took about 15, 20 minutes, and then they were back on track. The oh plane took God. off, and everybody got to where These they had to go. These poor flight attendants, man. They deal with some shit. The worst is they're saying that a similar incident happened two years ago, also on an American Airlines flight, where a passenger reportedly lit matches mid-flight to mask his farts. Because wrong with This people? had to... Be- do you, I mean, if this was two decades ago, it had to be it had to be post or pre nine eleven. Like who who can bring matches on an airplane? Who can it, make themselves fart that much? I don't know, but unless she unless I you just, like, pl- I mean, like I know sometimes you eat like broccoli or cabbage or something, and you get your belly is like super distended, and you just want to like let the air out. Fine, but like. If you did he pre-plan that, to do that? Like I don't like right now. If you were just like fart ten times in a row, like I just couldn't do it. it I could make myself do it. I love the concept or imagery of this brawl erupting with the green cloud. Like let's do an art yeah, because, photo. Like that's what it would look like. Because people are like, "You're so rude," and he was just like, "You're rude," and then he would fart excessively to just keep doubling down on it and. Honestly, it's really awesome of the flight attendants that they took charge and got him off of the plane because I don't think that flight was particularly that long, a couple of hours, but that's a really long time to be smelling something like well, that. And, and like you and could tell the dude was just going to be a problem. Yeah. And I mean, we all have airplane stories. You have one in particular, or I don't know if you've told it on Mother Knows Death, but you've definitely told it before that a guy was touching himself. Oh, no, he was completely masturbating next to us. I'll I'll tell the story if you guys want to hear it. So, yeah. And they're just like, oh, we can't land the plane or you can land the plane if you want, but you don't want to inconvenience everybody. So what happened was Andrea, she is she's one of my best friends and she's also a PA as well. And we were on our way to a PA conference and we were on the airplane. It was 10 o'clock, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, full flight. And I believe it was when we were going to Long Beach and there was a layover in Phoenix. So it was like Philadelphia to Phoenix. So it was a pretty long flight. It was like five hours or something. And the flight was full and we sat in the very back row and it was it was me, Andrea, and this guy stumbles down the aisle and sits down next to us. And he's just like completely disheveled and completely drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, right? So and he smelled horrible. He smelled like bad breath and just pee and just disgusting. Right. 
And he sat down next to us and he kind of passed out for a while and he was out of it. So Andrea and I were sitting next to each other along the the um, window part of the seat. And we were watching a movie called Down With Love. It's like one of our favorite movies. Yeah, I love that movie. And then so the guy wakes up and then he's like leaning over me to look at the movie on our laptop. Right. And. It was just really weird. So we kept like turning the laptop the other way so he couldn't look. But you could only do so much when you're in that like small seat. And then there's this scene in Down With Love where it has Renee Zellweger at the top and Ewan McGregor at the bottom. And it's like when they're both preparing to get ready to go on their date and it simulates them like having sex. Like she's... I don't know. He's Yeah, but they're in like two different apartments, two different frames. It's just like the artwork, the way it's laid out. I mean, everybody should see this movie because design-wise, it's so incredible. Yeah, that's but, why we yeah, like it's it. It's just but, mimicking. But the, the movie's probably rated PG or PG-13. Like there's barely any. It's yeah. just like this insinuation of sex. So all of a sudden, this guy's like really alert right now. And, and we look over at him and he has like a complete heart on and he's like rubbing his pants over his penis like rubbing it and watching this movie with us. So I was sitting like this and Andrea like leaned behind me and tapped on him. And she was just like, you need to get up. You need to move over right now. It was so funny. So then he he stands up to go to the bathroom and he's waiting in line because it was a full flight and he's in the aisle and he like leans back and he has a total pitch tent. Like we're looking over and we're like, ew. So when he got up and went to the bathroom, we called over the flight attendant and we were just like, oh, my God, this guy is like jerking off in front of us right now. He's so gross. Like, can you move him? And they just told him, no, they they said like they sympathized with us. Trust me. But they were like, there is nowhere to put him. The flight is full. The only thing that we can do is have the pilot land right now. Do you want us to do that? And I was like, no, what are we going to make this guy, the, the plan lane and everybody get their trip ruined? I'm not going to do that. Don't they have a chair where like the they jail can cell? Like, tie somebody? No, th- seriously. Don't they have this chair where they could like strap somebody in? It might be one. And, like, it might tie w- them be up? one of their seats. And they were like, "We don't want to watch this guy jerk off." I don't know. Yeah, I'm... but but the good part of the story <laughs> is that I took a picture of them, and now ever since then, and this was seriously maybe 2010 or 11 or something. I have that picture when Andrea when I text and call Andrea. That's her picture. Is that guy? Oh, my God. Yeah, I I couldn't remember if you told that on here or not, but it's definitely worth repeating because it is such a disgusting story. And I just feel like there's such limited things you could do when you're in the air. These people should be thankful this guy was initiating fights because otherwise, if they went up and he was just (laughs) farting like that, tooting along, like they weren't going to land the plane just because he was tooting well, and, everywhere. And, and if it so, was like silent but deadly ones, how would you even determine who it was coming from? Like you could say the general area, but imagine the person sitting right behind him with that stuff like leaking right in the back seat. It's just horrible. No, it's it's horrific. And like you said, the guy you were sitting next to before the masturbation even started, he smelled horrible and there's nothing you could do about it. Some people just smell really bad and you can't do it. Yeah, we were I mean, at first we were like, oh, God, this guy. But he passed out. So we said, "Okay, good. He's a nice guest to be next to us. He's just going to be asleep the whole time. And we just couldn't believe that that was happening. I was like, is this guy like it was shocking. I just was like, wait, do people actually do this in front of other people just like right then and there? Like there's nothing that he can do about this right now. It was 
It was so nasty. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so on to this next story. This 20-year-old has died after eating a cookie that had undeclared peanuts in the label. So I have a, I have another story. I have a similar story of an autopsy that I did once of a person. It's not really similar, but similar. There was this guy who had schizophrenia and he was living in in a like an institution. He was he was staying there and but he had family visiting him all the time and he was, you know, he was like a well-loved guy. And another family came to visit their family member and brought in a box of Girl Scout cookies, the peanut butter ones, and offered one to this schizophrenic guy and said, hey, do you want a cookie? Like not thinking anything, not knowing that the guy had a peanut allergy. And he took the cookie and he died. And oh I know it, it was so terrible. And it's so in it it was so innocent like on everybody's behalf and the guy the guy had schizophrenia and he always wasn't like in the right mind to make a decision like no I can't eat that kind of thing and um yeah I I think I think if you th- this is my personal opinion and we have a friend so I we don't eat gluten you know but one of our good friends doesn't is is like celiac hardcore she gets so sick if she has like a crumb of of gluten and she brings her own food everywhere and just eats her own food that she prepares. And I think that that's the safest thing. If you have like a severe allergy, that's either going to make you really, really sick and not feel well or or get a really bad aller- allergic reaction or possibly worse anaphylaxis. You can't trust companies that are telling you that that item isn't in the food because this is an exact reason why. Yeah, it's definitely really scary. It could happen to anybody. I just, you know, there's, we talk about this a lot as people with allergies. When I'm offered food or something, my first question is always what's in it? And people look at me like I'm a freak, but I just don't care because it's not worth the risk. Some things I eat just make my throat itchy, but some make me really ill. And I think it's really dangerous to not make sure that these main allergies are included, especially if somebody's going out of their way to look at the ingredients and make sure that it's right for them not blindly eating something only to find out that the label didn't that the label wasn't well, right. Well, the peanut allergy is actually the worst one because it's it's one of the most common ones and it's one of the ones that are most likely to cause an anaphylactic shock and you don't have to directly eat the peanut. It's like it could blow in the wind near your face like and that's probably what happened in this case. I read they show a picture of the cookies and the label and if I had a peanut allergy and read that, I'd be like, okay, there's no peanuts in it. And that's why sometimes you see labels now that say this was made in a facility that processes tree nuts and peanuts. And because yeah. they're letting you know, like, hey, we didn't directly put peanuts in this. But like on the other end of the room, there might be some stuff flying over here that we don't have any control of. And if I had a peanut allergy, I wouldn't even eat anything that said that it was made in a facility that was processed the same stuff because it's it's too scary. And especially with a peanut allergy, that's another weird thing is that you could have a mild reaction for, for years of your life and then the next one could be a really, really bad one. So you have to carry around an EpiPen with you. That's why kids do that. Yeah. All right, let's get on to this next story about 
Can we can we just talk about how stupid this name is? Stanley for cups, like the Stanley Cup trophy. It's just every time I see articles about it, it's like prime hockey season. I've seen articles going back and forth, and it's the stupidest name. Why would you th- name this company's your brand? been around for like sixty years, dude? All right. Well, the Stanley Cup has also. Been <laughs> I actually would like to see which one was around longer. To be honest with you, I guarantee you the, the hockey championship the stupidest was thing around of this much cup longer. Is definitely not the name of it. It's it is the um, just the the bulk and the trendiness of it, whatever. But of course, my kids are are teeny boppers, or so they're totally into these stupid Stanley Cups. So I had to get them one from Santa, and. I, so I see this story this week that they might contain lead, and I'm like, oh, cool, because I really just like want to give my kid lead poisoning. So uh, apparently there's been these viral TikTok videos going around of people buying these at-home lead testing kits and putting it on their Stanley Cups and seeing that, they, that they're testing positive for lead. Apparently the, the company says that this was a quote from their company. It says, Quote, we seal our vacuum insulated stainless steel products with an industry standard pellet. That includes some lead. The pellet is completely enclosed by a stainless steel cover, making it inaccessible to customers. So the one girl that was testing it had her cup flipped over. And then if you look at the bottom of the cup, I actually was going to try to show you guys today, but my kids have their cups at school. But um, there's like a little divot in the cup. And I guess when you lift that off, that's where the lead exposure is. So as long as that's mm-hmm. intact, you should not be exposed to any lead. I'm just glad I read this story because if that thing fell out, I don't know. I, I probably would have kept using it if the cup still worked. I wouldn't even have thought about it. So Stanley's saying if that thing falls out, they say it never falls out. But if it does, but all these people are like, it always falls out. Their cups are guaranteed for life or something. So you could send it in and they'll send you a new one. But it's really a kid got lead poisoning because he was playing with oatmeal or something and he was going like this and like crushing the oatmeal with the cup and the lead like got into the oatmeal that he was crushing from the cup, which is crazy. Just like things you don't think about. But if you t- it, if you touch it, if you drink from it, whatever, like you're exposed and one exposure might be fine, but multiple exposures of it can certainly lead to permanent brain damage, which is really scary. Maybe it's safer to drink out of the real Stanley Cup trophy than these cups. So possibly, isn't it made out of like, it's not gold, right? silver, and nickel. Oh, well, that's probably not good. I've either, actually, actually, I don't know if you know this, but I have a picture with the Stan- the real Stanley Cup trophy. Wow, <laughs> I'm so much cooler for knowing you now. Thanks. No, there's there's like a guy whose whole job it it is to travel with it. It's kind yeah, of insane. Doesn't he have like weird white gloves and stuff? Yeah, and he he can't keep his eyes oh, off of Jesus. it. But then we were taking pictures with it, and someone was like, "Distract him so I can kiss." <laughs> well, that's why, because people like want to put their balls on it and do stupid shit. That's it's like that's the guy's whole job. Let him. Who cares? All right, talk about this milk, because again, I have a story. So. Thousands of people have allegedly gotten ill after drinking lactose-free milk product. So they're claiming that it smelled like poop or rotten eggs, complained about bouts of diarrhea, vomiting, stomach cramps. So this was the Fairlife brand of the lactose-free milk, and they're claim they're denying that anything's wrong with the milk, but get into your story. All right, so 
I buy lactose-free milk for us because Lucia has a, a little bit of a irritation with it. So we, I just buy it. And I usually love this milk because it lasts a long time. It never goes bad and it tastes really good, honestly. And so I was kind of hardcore faithful to this milk. It's really expensive, but the fact that it lasts long, you're kind of like, all right, whatever. And then one day I got it and opened it up and it smelled like shit, like literal shit. And the kids, first the kids alerted me to it. They were like, this milk is bad. It smells. And then I smelled it and it didn't smell like bad milk. It smelled like poop. And I poured it down the drain because it's like seven or eight dollars. And I was like, I ain't ever buying that shit again. <laughs> like that's it's too much money. I just poured it down the drain. I'm pissed off about this. And the biggest reason that I wanted to share this story with you guys is because apparently there's a website that tracks food. What it, What is it called? I thought I wrote it. Oh, it's called foodbornepoison.com. Is that what it's called? I didn't I think, write it I think down. it's called foodbornepoison.com, which I didn't know. We'll put it in the website or in the episode yeah, description. But I didn't even realize a website like this existed. And apparently if you ever have like any kind of issue like that, you should go on this website and just be like, I got this and it was bad or whatever. And they had so many complaints over the past 45 days about it, which is just unusual that multiple people would be reporting that. And it, I, I'm telling you, it happened to me. And I was thinking, like, it just really smelled like animal-y. Like, it was just gross, and it turned me off that I never bought it again. And I'm curious if any of you guys have ever had an experience with that because it was it was really nasty. Especially because I feel like it's kind of hard to narrow down what you might have eaten that made you sick, right? So if they're getting that many complaints with people definitely saying it was that, they should certainly be looking into it and not just blowing it off. I mean, we didn't get we didn't get sick. I just got I physically got gro like grossed out by smelling something that I was gonna eat that smelled like that. Also, I think we should just say the obvious that maybe if something doesn't smell right, you shouldn't go forward and eat it. Yeah. So. Well, obviously, like, I mean, come on, if it's if if you say that you opened your milk and it smelled like poop, why would you drink it? I understand because like milk doesn't smell like <laughs> normally. So it should. Dude, dude, it's because it's eight dollar milk and people don't want to pour it down the drain. Like it's it's that it, it's already it's it's triple the how much is a regular milk? And that's not even a full I, two gallons. I think like, like a regular full, whole milk gallons like gallon. three three fifty. Yeah, three. Why are you putting me on the spot like in the presidential debate? <laughs> I, I don't know because I don't buy regular milk. Are. So it, it like kind of just pisses me off that I have to spend that much. Neither for, do I. Because I, I drink it. All, the kids drink it, have it with the cereal. They have chocolate milk and then I make coffee with it. Like we buy it all the time and it's expensive. And I'm just it kind of like pisses me off to have to throw it out. But yeah, why why would you ever drink it if it smelled like shit? That's just ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, just don't do that so, <laughs> ever again. No. Um, all right. So next we have the FDA has approved a device to detect skin cancer. Side note, I just want to say when I was writing notes for this and I looked at the FDA's um, logo on the sign in the picture on the article, it is the Sega logo. It is the same exact really? thing. Yes. And I'm going to put them up on the story on Instagram today because I was like, this looks really familiar. I feel like it's Sega and they are the same exact blue. They have the same exact lines. So I'm going to put them Again, side by side on Instagram. Again, who was first, FDA or Sega? 
Well, FDA, but was that logo first? So I don't know. It's very 80. Because first I was like, this is a little 80s. Like it's 2024. And then, yeah. So I started going down the spiral. But I'll post a couple funny pictures on the story today so you guys can see what we're talking about. Anyway, FDA has cleared Derma Sensor's first of its kind handheld device that uses artificial intelligence to non-invasively detect skin cancer. All right. So this is cool. If you go to the doctor and you yourself have like a mole that you're like, this looks a little funky or the doctor's doing your skin check and sees something that looks a little weird, they could put this sensor up to the lesion and look at it and it will tell them instantly if it looks suspicious and it needs to be biopsied or not. It has, it's, it's a really sensitive and they're saying that it has a sensitivity of 96%, which is pretty good. And it all across all 224, 224 forms of skin cancer, along with all different kinds of st- skin types and colors. So it's, it's really cool. And it, another study had found that the device reduces the missed skin cancer diagnoses from 18% to 9%. So I think overall, it's a really positive tool it's it's a subscription-based thing. So the doctor doesn't have to, it doesn't seem like they have to purchase the thing. They just have to get a subscription plan and they could pay $199 a month to do for, I think it was five patients. But if they pay $399 a month, they could have unlimited patients, which obviously everybody would do that, right? If, I mean, maybe you would get the $199 a month one if you were like a, a family practitioner or something. But the, if you're a dermatologist, I feel like $400 a month. I'm not sure how this works with them charging you to get it done and insurance and all that stuff. But if it is FDA approved, insurance should probably cover it. But who knows? I'm sure it's $300 for the doctor, $15,000 for (laughs) Right? It's just like, oh, well, we're going to charge you, even though we pay $400 a month to use this on every single one of our patients, it's going to cost you $15,000 just to use it on you. Yeah. So they're saying this shouldn't be the only diagnostic criterion, like you should get it double checked, but it has been, it's a really cool invention and I hope it ends up working out really well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And I think, I think it's going to help too, because a lot of people get scared to get a biopsy because obviously you have to get a, a shot and then you have to get your skin excised and a lot of people aren't for that. So they'll say, and and sometimes there's a little downtime with it depending on where the location is. So people might blow off getting the thing checked out and never go back until it's a problem. So I'm I'm like so for this because it's very impulsive. Like something's not right here. Let's check it out. And then it's not right. Let's biopsy this right away. So I love it. It's awesome. Okay, let's get into other death news. So a pediatrician has been charged with a hit and run, if you can believe that. A Staten Island pediatrician is charged with leaving the scene of an accident after mowing down a dad and his six-year-old daughter as they crossed the street. All right. So at first I was like, this guy is the asshole of the week or whatever we say, right? Douchebag of the week. Yeah. But reading more into the story. So it seems like, I mean, I mean, it sucks. Like this this dad and his, had his six-year-old daughter on his shoulders and they were walking their dog around the neighborhood when some guy in a black pickup truck, it seems crashed into them, knocked them over. They both fell onto the ground. The the dad was bleeding from his head and had a concussion. And the little girl had a skull fracture that required surgery. So they got hit pretty hard. And he got charged with a hit and run 
which makes you think like, oh, my God, how could this guy leave a, a child, especially when he's a doctor that takes care of children? But apparently they're saying or his defense is saying that he stayed with them the entire time until the ambulance got there. And the the dad and the daughter don't really remember what happened, obviously, because they had head trauma. So I guess the defense is trying to prove that he did indeed stay with them until the ambulance got there. But the question still remains, like, why did he leave before the cops got there? It's it's just, well, there's one of two scenarios, one of which was he there's speculation that he did assist them and move them over to the sidewalk and then just straight up fled the scene. And then there's another scenario where they're saying he stayed there with the cops and offered medical assistance, but never admitted that he was the one that did it. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, it's kind of scumbaggy, but I I don't think it's as bad as if if it's this, the, the, the latter one you just said, like if it's he he stayed there and made sure that someone took over the medical assistance and then he left because he didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, but you still have to take responsibility, and everybody knows that it's worse if you don't just fess yeah, up but immediately that's, and that's you try not to hide as it. That's scummy as like him just leaving a dead kid on the side of the road and driving away. Like I, that's all I'm saying. And and he doesn't all deserve to li- if- like lose his practice over that. He made a horrible decision not reporting it. But like, if he genuinely, because listen, the EMS people are going to say like. They have that in their report, that there was a doctor here helping these people until we got here. That will be in the police report or the EMS report. Like, if they could prove that that guy actually pulled over and tried to help them and stuff, but he just was like, hey, I just found these people on the side of the road that look like they got hit. Don't look at the front end damage on my car or anything, like, (laughs) whatever. And then he left. It's kind of like, yeah, he should have reported it, but he didn't, like, leave them for dead. I don't agree with you. I think he really should have confessed because if that was my kid's pediatrician, I don't really care. Like the fact, even if he stood there and helped them get through it and everything, like you did it. So fess up because then what do they have to go through the stress of not knowing who did it, not knowing the proper outlets to go through? It's not, it's neither situation's okay. I disagree. I don't think he's I, he's in I, his 60s. He I should think, just retire. I, I think and... that. No, no, I don't, I don't think that you have to yes. give up your whole life for that. That is completely well, ridiculous. First of all, they're completely leaving out. Why did he hit them? Was he speeding? Was he drunk driving? Why did he even hit them people in the hit first people place? People all the time. I, I almost hit somebody every single day on the on Route 130. Come on. Yeah, but that that detail is important because were they running across the street when they shouldn't have been and he hit them or was he doing something badly and then was like, I don't know. I think that he was probably what he was probably thinking is. I mean, he didn't do himself a service because what he probably thought was like, I I'm like a big deal pediatrician and I need to go and call my lawyer right now and see how I have to handle this before I do this, because like. It is scary to hit a person. I mean, you could get, you know what I mean? Like, you, it's scary to do that. And people do that all the time and they hit and run. And he probably wanted to take some time to think about it. But I think that it's just way more scummier if, if he just hit them and, like, left them for dead. That's all. I, I just don't agree. Okay. Well, I'm right. So, so. the first person... <laughs> the first person is set to be executed by lethal gas. So... In 1996, a jury recommended 11 to 1 that this man, Kenneth Smith, be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. The judge, however, overturned this and imposed a death sentence, which 
since has been illegal, but it doesn't go back. Like he can't any case that this happened to prior to this being overturned. I think in 2017 that this rule was overturned. So it's not retroactive. Anybody that had this decision made before 2017 doesn't matter. So three decades later now, the state of Alabama plans to use him as a test subject for a new execution method, which is death by inhaling nitrogen gas. Yeah. So he uh, he already was sentenced to lethal injection, like Maria said, and he had it and it failed. And <laughs> which how does that even this is happen? what I want to say, basically, if I don't care, like I am personally for the death penalty, if you're for against it, I don't care. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks. But like this this thing of saying we want to humanely kill someone is is the most First, the lethal injection. So they've done autopsies on people that have had lethal injection and show that they have pulmonary edema and stuff, which means that they lived for long enough for their lungs to develop that reaction. And on top of that, having fluid in your lungs is is a terrible, torturous death, right? It feels like you're that's what happens when you drown. Like it's it's not comfortable at all. So let's just say like, it might look good to just stick a needle in someone and kill them, but it's not humane, in my opinion. And then now they want to put nitrous oxide or nitrous over a person's face and have them breathe it in and and asphyxiate them to death, basically. Like, smother them to death, which also is not humane. Like, what's wrong with just shooting somebody in the head and getting the job done? I don't understand. I know it's messy, but, like, it gets the job done all the time if you do it the right way. I just feel like it's so much more you're going to do this and it's going to be the outcome you achieve it's also like psychological torture to go through your execution and have it fail and then have to wait a very long time to go through it again yeah I, the whole thing of it is just like in them trying to make it not humane they're actually making it completely or for them trying to make it more humane they're trying to they're making it completely inhumane it's just i i don't understand it and not only did the did the lethal injection fail on him, but it failed on two other people too. So imagine going there and walking in and thinking like this is the day you're dying and then it doesn't happen and then you live for 30 more years and, and now it's going to happen. It's just it, the whole thing of it is kind the whole thing needs to be reworked. Maybe I'm not for it as I think I am. Like <laughs> the whole system of it sounds so, so ridiculous, but. I I am for like people that do really horrible shit to people, especially involving children. Like they just don't need to be on this earth anymore, in my opinion. But they they just need to rework the whole system because it's it's terrible. All right. So next, a Kansas couple has been charged with fraud after collecting more than two hundred thousand dollars in retire be- retirement benefits on re- behalf of a dead relative while they concealed his body in their home for six years. Yeah, this is this is not this is not the first time that I've heard this. I've I've heard of people using their dead family member's finger as a fingerprint to be able to still get benefits. Oh, um he was so the cool part about this is that they were able to look at the the data on his uh pacemaker to see that he died 6 years prior when he was 81 years old. They could tell the moment that it stopped working, which is amazing. So whatever the story is, the, the best part is, is that so this is the guy's daughter and her husband and they yeah. I don't know what made them call and eventually say like, oh, he he died. Can you come here? 
And they went and they were like, no, this guy's been dead for a really long time. Like, what what did you think? Like, you were just going to get away with this? The guy was like mummified or something in his room. Yeah, he was mummified. And other family members said that they were making any excuse possible as to why he wouldn't come to the phone or to family events, which I'm like, okay. At a certain point, don't you think if you hadn't seen or heard from a relative for, you know, <laughs> six years, maybe even six months to one year, you'd be like something, maybe a wellness check well, should occur or something? this is the thing, though. There's this, we're living in this weird time period right now that it might be like the first two years it was getting a little shady and they're like, oh, we should go visit him. And then COVID happened. And now, like, the past four years have been like, we can't see people for a couple years there. Now people are just like, oh, people are wearing masks again. I'm not going to go, whatever. I don't know. I just think, I think we're just in an unusual time that, that, that might've been a possibility, I guess, but they were, they were trying to steal his social security benefits. So it, I mean, is it worth it for you living with a dead body in your house for six years, just so you could get $200,000? I don't know. No, I mean, you're not well if that's what's <laughs> Especially happening. Especially, like, like, it's your dad. It's, it's just kind of weird. Well, shockingly, there's another story we have of another person that was living for six years with a deceased person. So, an Ohio farmer had died in late December, and he had been living in an RV with his dead wife for six years. So, what is sweet about this story is that they both died from natural causes, and the wife had died of natural causes six years ago, and to me, I look at it as he couldn't let go. But what's weird is that their son had called the report that he died and said, oh, there's another body on the property, too. So, it's not The like son was on board with this wife. plan. That's the, that was the weird yeah. part of it. So, it's not like this poor old man's wife died and he couldn't let go because no matter what they're gonna have to take her away right and i thought that that part made me really sad to think about him just not being able to let go but the fact that his son knew about it the whole time is kind of like all right what's what's going on here what whatever i mean it's they said they both died from natural causes so it's not like he was doing anything shady but yeah i i mean i think I think what was weird about it was that they said that the body went to the medical examiner's office and they determined that she was dead. She's been dead for six years. And I'm like, how did they determine she's been dead for exactly six years? Like, I, I don't know how you would do that. I mean, I, I, you definitely could say, okay, she's been dead for a long time, but I, I don't know how you could pinpoint a year on there like that. But anyway, um, well, maybe they had other things to suggest she had died i like, don't know or they were like we know she died then and they were like okay seems like about she her. had she had like an in sync t-shirt on or something what was popular six oh years God. ago I, definitely not in sync <laughs> where have you been i don't know i'm all screwed up with time talk about 20 years i know ago. that's that's the problem well, what was popular six years ago um six years ago was what 2018 yeah i so 2018 like what was popular then i don't even know I'm thinking about 2018. Not Britney Spears, apparently. I'm ba- I'm like into the 2000s. Like, you're way behind. Anyway, her body <laughs> was surrounded by herbs, wrapped in a blanket, and was well preserved. It makes me yeah. Really it was sad. a sad they story, really and I thought it was. It's like a cute love story, and I sent this to Gabe earlier and was like, "This is going to be you." <laughs> but um, yeah. He, I don't know, like what herbs the guy used to preserve her, but one of the first responders was like, "I've been doing this for, I think it was the sheriff, thirty-four years, and I've never seen anything like this, and I've never seen a person 
that's been dead for six years that looks so good. It's sad. <laughs> what okay. is this recipe? On the, que- on the questions of the day, every Friday on the at Mother Knows Death Instagram, we post a little question box. You could ask us whatever you want. Because this episode was so long today, we only had to do we only had time to do two questions. So first, have you ever had someone you know show up on the autopsy table? I would say sort of two different times. One time Explain. One time I had an autopsy on a guy and then I went home from work and my my sister's friend had called me to say that their uncle died at my hospital and here that was the guy that I did the autopsy on earlier. But I didn't really... I might have met him once, but I didn't really like know him, know him. So it was like, ah, whatever. I didn't even, I mean, obviously I didn't even recognize him until they said something. And then the other time was the, one of the times my friend died and, um, she was getting an autopsy and it so happened that the, the doctor that I was working for got hired to do the private autopsy. So obviously like I didn't go to work that day because I didn't want anything to do with that. Is that a conflict though? If somebody's died and you were to perform it, maybe not in a natural sense because they know why they died, but if you were at the medical examiner. Well, even even in that sense, I think because there was a lawsuit that was going to be put forth that, yes, I think that that would have been a conflict. But I I mean, like, obviously, why would I want to see my friend like that anyway, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Have you ever received an endometriosis specimen from a strange part of the body? Yes, I have. I have gotten one from the belly, like near the belly button. I've gotten not, it's just, it'll just come down and say like nodule. But as soon as you cut it, you could tell what it looks like. It's kind of like very, the tissue's like very fibrous and white looking with these pinpoint areas that are bleeding, but it's not like red blood. It's like a brownish color blood. It's just a very specific finding that, like, if I see it grossly, I could say before looking at it under the microscope, um, I could usually tell the pathologist what I think it is. And then another time I got a lesion from someone's leg, a nodule. And um, and then obviously, like, all the other sites that you would typically see it on the outside of the uterus. Um, if it occurs in the ovary, it's called a chocolate cyst. Because, like I said, the blood is like a is like a weird brown color. So when you open up an endometrioma, that's what it's called in the ovary. When you open it up, it looks like a, like a, I mean, this is kind of gross, but um, like a truffle or something like that leaks fluid, but it looks like chocolate when you cut it open. And yeah, just like the, the typical areas like that. That's interesting. Okay, well, thank you guys so much. Don't forget to check every Friday on the At Mother Knows Death Instagram so you could ask whatever question your little heart desires. And thank you to Stink Bomb for sponsoring this episode because after that horrific airplane story, I will that definitely needs to be in everybody's travel up. pack. I will never be in a position ever again where I have to be uncomfortable and feel like I'm going to gag. So. All right, we will see you guys next week with our interview with Allison Treasel and the next news episode. So thanks. thanks. Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. 
I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.